Welcome to Whistler While You Retire with Tim Whistler from the Whistler Agency. Here you will learn how Tim helps clients avoid taking unnecessary risks in retirement. With a fiduciary responsibility, Tim's mission is to help retirees and soon-to-be retirees create a greater sense of confidence about their retirement plan. Now, on to the show. The ultimate love letter. Oh, it sounds so romantic. But what does it have to do with the Whistler While You Retire podcast? I'm Patrice Sakora, and Tim Whistler of the Whistler Agency is here to explain it all. Love and insurance, Tim? Really? <laughs> insurance? How is that? Tell me, what's going on here? Well, Patrice, you're exactly right. This is something that's not exactly the most spoken about topic. It's not exactly the most famous topic to speak about, but it's also, more importantly, one of the most critical conversations we have to have. And and I'll just take you through a, a quick story. And mm-hmm. uh, this is a, a story that I experienced with existing clients. And it's just, it's just, a, it just pulls on your heartstrings a little bit because of, of ultimately how it all played out. But uh, Larry and Sandy are clients of mine. And, and Larry came in into my office several years ago, completely unannounced and uh, just said, Hey, do you have a couple of minutes to chat? And I said, sure. And so we sat down and he had just recently retired and still doing some part-time work, but getting a little bit of uh, a group life insurance benefit from his former employer and just kind of shared some frustration about how the premiums just kind of kept going up and the death, the death benefit kind of started going down a little bit. So he, he kind of just thought that maybe he should have something in place just in case and would ask, just kind of asked me if I would look into something for him. I said, sure, let me put together a couple of ideas for you and let's get back together next week and, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about them. And so we did, he came back in and I shared with him, like I share with everybody else, just kind of here's some options and which one kind of feels like it's the best fit. And so he said, this one here, and let's, let's get it started. So we went through the process and um, we're getting ready to fill out the paperwork and everything. And, and uh, he says to me, he goes, Larry says, Tim, he says, if you would, I want you to keep this between us. I said, sure, no problem. He goes, I don't want Sandy to worry. We don't like talking about it at our house, you know, again, which is, I hear that all the time right. and I understand that, but I just, I just want to just have this in the back of my mind, just in case something happens and we don't need to involve her. I said, that's fine. We can do that. So fast forward a few weeks, they go through the underwriting process. Larry's approved. There's a policy that's, that's offered. He comes back in, he accepts it, pays for the premium on it. And, and he walks out with the policy in hand. And I, and I see Larry and his wife quite often throughout town. And in fact, Larry was a part of a, uh, a collector car club. So a classic oh, car collector right. club, which is really cool. And, and uh, so they kind of get a little bit of help with sponsorships. I said, yeah, I'll, you know, I'd love to throw the Whistler agency on, on, on the back of a t-shirt and, and sponsor that for you guys. So saw Larry and Sandy quite a bit around town and, and Larry and my dad worked together. So, you know, known of him for quite some time, ta- quite some time. And all of a sudden, a few weeks after that, a few years after that, I get a text message from their daughter and um, it's the inevitable one. It's the one we never want to get, but it's, it's the one where she says, my dad suffered a, a major heart attack last night and did not survive. And, oh, wow. uh, just wanted, wanted you to know. And just it's one of those moments where it just completely catches you off guard. He was only 66, in good health, always in good spirits. And it's just one of those you just don't expect. So I replied back and, of course, extended my condolences to her and, and to, to Sandy and the family and just said, you know, be sure to tell your mom that there's some things that, that I can help her get through financially when she's ready. There's absolutely no hurry, but just have her reach out. So few weeks go past and, and sure enough, I get the phone call and, and they wanted me to come out to the house. And so I sat down there at the table with, with um, their daughter and, and uh, with Sandy. 
And of course, it's 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 an incredibly emotional moment. Obviously, sure. we're sure. we're reflecting on the life of of Larry, and and there's tears being shed. There's also some laughter about different memories and whatnot. And so I was kind of just helping Sandy go through the paperwork, trying to figure out the social security, trying to figure out the pension, and and uh, just trying to get the financial household in order now for her. All of this falls now on her. And it came to the part of the conversation where it was kind of my turn to bring up Larry's gift to Sandy. And so I kind of told told Sandy and, and their daughter Carrie, told her all about tell them all about the story. And, and of course, they're they're both just you know it's just now I'm crying. I mean, it's just one of those moments where it was so difficult to get through, but at the same time, it was so sweet because of the fact of here Larry is thinking of Sandy, fast forwarding through these number of years, not knowing that he was going to predecease her, and certainly not at that young age. And here I am telling her that, you know, there's a policy for her and I've got the paperwork ready to go and, and uh, we can get that claim started right away. And it was just to kind of break the, break that tense moment. She, Santa kind of laughed and she goes, well, that's good because he only left me $7 in his wallet. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, it's just kind of that moment where we all kind of right. take a breath and laugh a little bit. And, you know, it, we, we file the, file the claim and, and, and the, the check gets issued and delivered back to me. And I get back a hold of Sandy and Carrie and we sit back down and, and, to be able to give her that check just as a result of the ultimate love letter that Larry wrote for his bride. And, and, and just to be a part of something like that was very, very special. Wow. Yeah. Is it common for spouses not to tell each other? It's very rare. It, it truly is very rare. It, it's, it, and I think I can, I totally got where he was coming from. And, and like I said, I, I'm, when I'm in my office and I'm, I'm engaging with husband and wife, I literally fly the flag of Switzerland. I am completely neutral, right? right? I, I right. want to play, I want to, yeah. I want to be the benefit of both parties. But when there is a favor asked of me of something like that, I'll, I'll certainly respect that. And it's very rare. I, I've not come across this before. I've actually talked to other advisors because I kind of, I kind of shared this story with other advisors that I engage with at different meetings or on webinars or whatnot. And, and I've asked them and, and every now and then they'll, they'll talk about a spouse kind of just keeping it off to the side for right. the benefit of their of their husband or wife. Well, now Larry said he was concerned about group insurance. What types of life insurance are there? Well, perfect question. And in fact, that that very first one is is one of the examples. When we are employed and we've got some group benefits, we might have some health insurance, some vision, some dental. A lot of times, they'll also offer life insurance, and that's what they call group life. And a lot of times, you know, that'll that'll come at a very very minimal cost. They'll kind of just withdraw the premiums from a paycheck. But, and a lot of times they'll, they'll, they'll base the death benefit maybe around the salary, maybe one year salary, one and a half, two years of the salary, something like that. So mm -hmm. that's, that's one of the types of, of life insurance that's available. But the other types that are available are the ones that, that I really try to encourage people to consider. Because the benefits of life insurance, if you just kind of just look at it from a high level, it, what does it do? It's providing peace of mind. It allows a spouse to make good on their promises to their family. And like I said, it's actually a, a really strong part of a sound financial plan. And so outside of the group life benefit, we have two other categories of life insurance, one of them being what they call term. So I like to explain the two categories in terms of real estate. What type of real estate is available to us? We can rent it or we can own it. Mm -hmm. So for example, let's say we're renting a home or we are renting an apartment. Okay. We're not responsible for maintaining the integrity of the structure. We're not responsible for insuring the property or paying the property taxes. We don't, we don't own the building. So therefore we don't build equity, but we also don't have a lot of the costs involved. So that's very similar to how term insurance works. It'll provide that financial peace of mind. It provides that financial household, 
but it's 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 just basically a, a policy that we're, we're con- quote unquote renting. It's only going to be around for so many years. Okay. And the coverage is offered for a specific number of years. For example, we can have a policy that's guaranteed for a term of 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, something like that. And coverage can certainly be extended at the conclusion of that term, but the premiums increase significantly. So one of the things that we really try to do when we're sitting down and we're utilizing the power of a term policy is to say, okay, let's get through these 10, 20, 30 years, whatever type of coverage we need but what's going to happen in that following year? What, what are we going to do then? And so that's one of the things we talked about because you can certainly keep the policy in force, but like I said, that premium will take a pretty good increase. So one of the benefits of a term policy is that when we compare it to the other option here, it is considerably less expensive to own, to have that policy in force. But as I said earlier, it doesn't really build any cash value to the policy. And if we stop paying premiums, guess what happens to the policy? It, goes it also away. goes away. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. So, so that's a term policy. So the other category of life insurance is what we call permanent life insurance. And, and just like with real estate, this is where we are owning the policy. Just like if we own a house, we're responsible for the integrity of the structure. We're responsible for ensuring its value to protect against perils. We pay property taxes. But because we own that building, it gives us access to equity as it increases in value. So the same can be said of a permanent life insurance policy. Okay. Now, inside the world of permanent life insurance, there are different types. And a lot of people think of the opposite of, of term being a whole life insurance policy. Well, that's partially true because whole life is one of the members of the permanent life insurance family, but it's not the only member. Okay. So whole life is one of the types. There's also universal life. There is variable universal life, and there is indexed universal life insurance. All right. Backups. Tell me about okay. these. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it, what really boils down to is just the differences of how equity is built into the policy. Okay. So for example, whole life, which is one of the oldest members of the permanent life insurance family, it was very, very popular years and years ago. In fact, history says that Ray Kroc who franchised McDonald's, right, right. Walt Disney, we know what he did, mm-hmm. J.C. Penney, those mm-hmm. three entrepreneurs who founded huge and, and very, very successful entities utilized cash value and a whole life insurance policy to fund McDonald's, really? Disneyland, and J.C. Penney, right? They had, they had equity in there. So whole life, that's, that's okay. the oldest one. Then as time went on, Universal life was introduced. So universal life is, is, is kind of falls along the line of interest. They, they'll, they'll pay a little bit of an interest out of a universal life policy. Then you've got variable universal. Variable is exactly what it means. It can, it can swing up and down. A lot of times what can happen in a variable policy is that it's tied to different investment options. So the agent has to be securities licensed because it can lose and gain value just like a 401k can. Okay. Then also you have an indexed universal life policy. That's that's the one that I use quite a bit. And again, we won't go into a lot of detail in this particular podcast because I don't want people to start feeling like they're in a life insurance training session here. <laughs> but it, basically what happens there is that it has the opportunity to earn a great deal more than just what a fixed rate of return would provide because the value of the policy is determined based upon index performances like the S&P 500, for example. And it's completely sheltered from the downside. It's, it's almost like what we talked about zero is your hero. 
Right, right. This, the same can be true inside of an index universal life policy. So it, the, the whole point of it is it gives us the opportunity for some equity. Another cool thing about these policies is that, is that the premium is guaranteed for the life of the policy. It offers living benefits. So for example, and we'll get into this here in just a little bit, but it offers some benefits while we're also alive. We don't have to just pass away for the benefit of the policy to be passed on to our, our family, to our spouse or to our kids. There are also some living benefits that are in there because premiums not only pay for the cost of the insurance, but they also have the opportunity to build cash value. So the cash value can be used for things like a down payment for a house. Maybe if we want to use some money for college tuition and we can even create when it's structured properly, we can actually create tax-free retirement income from it. But again, one of the drawbacks in permanent as opposed to term is that again, it, it has the ability to, to create equity for us. So therefore the premiums on a policy are going to be a little bit considerably or a little bit higher, I should say, than a term policy. And I just want to mention here that the last podcast you did was the Zero is Your Hero podcast. And I highly recommend people listen to that to get an insight into some interest rates and and how investing is impacted by that. But now, Tim, you're talking about so many types of insurance here. How do you figure out what's best for you? A great question. And that, that's why I really firmly believe it's, it's such an important conversation to have. It's again, it's not one that's, that's on the top of uh, top of everybody's minds. It's not the conversation we want to have, but it, it's a responsible conversation. It's a mature conversation to have, and it provides some peace of mind to our spouse. So how we determine which of all those options are the best fit and, and how also, you know, also how do we determine what is the right amount? Well, again, just to try to cut through the tension and kind of break the ice of that conversation, I kind of just joke with people by saying, you know, the best policy to have is the one that's enforced when you die. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best policy to have, flat out. (laughs) At that point, it doesn't matter what type it was. All that matters is that it was in force and there's going to be some tax-free funds paid to the family that's left behind. So what I do with clients is I walk them through what I call a life needs analysis. And it's basically just myself sitting down with with pen and paper and asking questions to them, asking financial questions. So if I'm sitting down with husband and wife, we'll call them John and Jane, and we're going through this conversation and and I know ages, I know incomes, uh, I know jobs, I know 401ks, they've shared these numbers with me. Now I go through the financial situation of, okay, what happens? I look Jane in the eye, Jane, what happens if you get that phone call, you get that text, John didn't make it home from work. Now we need to talk about what you're going to need at that point to maintain the promises that John Mm -hmm. made to you and to his family. So how do we do that? Well, we walk through different analysis. So the first thing we talk about is, okay, the first major expense is the burial, the funeral, the wake. What what amount of money do we want to set aside for that? Mm -hmm. So we talk through that. The next one is monthly income that's needed. If John no longer makes it home from work, his paycheck no longer comes in either. So what amount of income do we want to have coming in from this policy to help maintain the constant expenses that, that, that she's going to face month in and month out? So we talk about the monthly income that's needed. Then we'll also talk about items that have balances, such as maybe the mortgage. Maybe there's some student loans. Maybe there's some credit cards. Do we want to wipe away debt with a stroke of a pen and pay all those off at one time? If so, what's that dollar amount? Maybe if John and Jane are a younger family, maybe they're in their 20s or 30s or 40s, maybe they still have some kids at home. And part of the plan was to put aside some money from his paycheck to put it into a 529 college savings plan. Do we want to continue to do that? If so, how much? 
And then another one that's very, very important with this analysis is the amount of in-force insurance, the amount of insurance that's currently in force, excluding group benefits. Now, here's why I say excluding group benefits. Mm. It's obviously a very, very viable plan. If we, if a person passes away and they're employed, that group benefit's going to pay out. But Patrice, walk through with me here just what we've experienced already this year. Mm-hmm. Look at look at how many thousands and thousands of people lost their job. Right. It's a tragic situ- situation because all of a sudden a pandemic comes out of nowhere, and here goes the job with it. There goes all the benefits with it, ex- including life insurance. We would not want to compound a financial catastrophe now with a personal with a personal catastrophe when all of a sudden now a person passes away. And there went the group benefits as well. So that's why I talk about, ask the question, what other life insurance do you have in force excluding any group benefit? So we go through that analysis and we, and we run, we run through the numbers. And it's at that point that I say, okay, let's look at the budget. How then do we fulfill this need with funds available from our income? And that's where I now go to work with, with my resource team. And, and we go through the analysis and I come back with a couple of different proposals for John and Jane. And, and a lot of times I use what I call a perm term split. You know, we, we can meet that overall need that Jane needs should John pass away by utilizing both types of plans, okay. you know, just, yeah. just try to leverage funds. So it, we can get very creative with it. But again, in the big picture, the, the plan in place at the time of death is the right plan. And, and, you know, there's a lot of calculators. A person can Google that, go online and say, Hey, perfect. Here's my income. Here's my age. Here's what I, what I'd like to have, you know, enforced just different types of things like that. But that's only half the equation. That's just saying, this is the amount that you need. And like you said earlier, when you asked the question, well, what's the right type for me? And that's why it's, it's really important that a person take the time sit down, husband and wife, sit down together with a professional and go through analysis like that. So number one, we don't underinsure ourselves. And number two, we don't overinsure our, ourselves as well. Now you mentioned age here. Does that play a big role in the rates? How are they determined? It, it sure does. Age is one of them. The younger that we are, the more likely that we're going to live. So it's a little bit less expensive to buy it when we're younger. Um, gender plays a huge role. When you kind of throw everybody into one big pool, um, females a little, little bit longer than males do historically. So therefore, females are a little bit less expensive to insure. Um, of course, the death benefit, you know, are, are we looking, what type of policy are we looking for? Are we looking for a few thousand dollars, $20,000 or something like that? Are we looking for a few million, depending upon what we're trying to accomplish right. with that? Health status, obviously a big one. You know, that's, that's a huge, huge issue. And I, I kind of remind people, you know, when you look at premiums and you look at you know, the, the relationship between a policyholder and a life insurance policy or life insurance company. It's a policy. It's a contract. So they are making a huge investment into that person. So they're like, they're going to want to know what's going on with that person. So one of the questions is, is do we use nicotine? Yes or no. And if somebody does fine, they're, they're rated as a nicotine user. If somebody, somebody, somebody says, no, I, I don't, or I don't currently use nicotine or I haven't for a number of years. Okay. Then they drill down a little bit further. Now they'll look at things like, okay, what's our height, weight, What's our blood pressure? What's our cholesterol? What's our health history? What's our family history? Because then a person can qualify for some more competitive premiums by maybe qualifying for a rate class like standard Mm non-nicotine, maybe standard plus non-nicotine, preferred, super preferred. I mean, one of my current clients or one of my most recent clients that I put a policy in force for was a 21-year-old single guy 
great shape, great health history. He qualified for super preferred non-nicotine. And he's like, man, I feel like a superhero, <laughs> <know>. you know? <laughs> Get the cape. But, Get the cape. That's right. Grab the cape. <laughs> but, you know, just those different types of rate classes, along with the age and gender and death benefit, can certainly determine the rate that determines the policy amount for our, for our life insurance policy. Okay. And earlier you were talking about this as being more than just life insurance. What did you mean by that? Again, when, when we have the category of permanent life insurance, it can provide an opportunity to add what we call riders to the base policy. So the rider is actually can create living benefits for the policy holder. So for example, one of the best ways to leverage funds as a hedge against extended care expenses can be by the use of a permanent life insurance policy. Now, that is going to be another podcast, Patrice, that you and I will really drill deep into the details on that guy. We'll, we'll talk mm -hmm. really in, okay. in, in great detail about that. But just as at a 30,000 foot level, this is just a type of policy, hold, a policy that allows the holder, the policyholder, to use the funds inside that death benefit that they can use for extended care expenses like nursing home expenses, in-home health care, oh. adult daycare, things like that. It's really kind of a great benefit. And that's really important these days. You you are exactly yeah. right. It sure is. It's it's another one of those it's another one of those mature, financially responsible conversations that we really need to have, even though we really don't want to have them. But we'll we'll certainly touch on those details in another podcast. And a, another example of a living benefit is the event of what they call a chronic illness. And what this basically means is that if a policyholder is diagnosed with a terminal illness, the life policy can pay out a portion of the death benefit even prior to the insured passing away. So that way, then they can start maybe getting some financial affairs in order even prior to the policyholder's death. Okay. Now, you mentioned the analogy with real estate before, and I thought that was very insightful. The permanent policy allows you to build, quote unquote, equity. What can you do with that equity? How accessible is it? You know, I, I mentioned that client, that 21-year-old client, and what we did together, what, what we prepared for Logan was giving him a permanent life insurance policy. So let me create this scenario. Logan is not married. He has no family, has no wife, no kids. And I asked him, I said, hey, is there ever going to be a Mrs. Logan at some point or little Logan's running around? And he says, oh, absolutely. Someday there will be, you know? <laughs> I said, well, great. I said, do you plan on retiring someday? Oh, I'd love to retire. How long do you want to work? We, start, we started going through that conversation. And I met him through his mom and dad. They're current clients of mine. And when they, when they introduced me to him, and just, I should say when they described him to me before I first met him, they just described him as being very financially aware of what was going on, but wasn't sure exactly how he wanted to get there. So he, they kind of thought maybe we'd have a good conversation, and we did. So by, to answer your question with that equity, what we did for Logan is that we are creating an index universal life policy for him which number one provides death benefit. Now, obviously that's not what this policy is intended for, but again, right, right. life happens. If it happens, the money's going to be paid out to at, right now to his mom and dad. But let's fast forward a few years. Logan gets married. He buys a house. He has children. And then he passes away. That policy is already in place. But the ultimate goal of that policy for him it, with that equity one of the most popular uses of this type of strategy is to generate tax-free income from the account value that's being built. So as time goes on, and again, I use this, I use that terminology before where I talked about indexed. For example, let's say we want to use the S&P 500. What this policy allows us to do, just like I talked about in Zero and your hero, is your hero, is when the S&P performs positively, 
we get to grab a portion of that growth and add that to our account value. But if the S&P has a bad year, we take a zero. We don't take the losses and it doesn't take away mm -hmm. from our account value. Mm -hmm. So as time goes on, you know, here, here Logan is 21, 22, and we fast forward 10, 20, 30 years. He keeps this policy growing. The account value as it builds in value, as it, as it builds more equity, at some point down the road, he can start withdrawing and start borrowing against that. There's a couple of different ways of doing that. Again, that'll be another conversation, but it allows him access to that where he can pull from that equity and maybe supplement a retirement income. So it's a very, very powerful strategy. Again, when it's in the right scenario and we have plenty of time to kind of build that equity. This is great for an individual. How about for a business? Does insurance have any role in businesses? Oh, this is this is another one of my favorite conversations to have. This is it can certainly play a really a really strong key role for a business, especially a small business. You know, let's say for example, let's let's look at a, a partnership. Okay, let's look at two guys, and they 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 want to set the world on fire. They're going to start their own company together, and, and they they put <laughs> all their equity in this thing. They're going to put a bunch of sweat equity and, and, and build their capital like that. One of the one of the types of policies that each of them should have is what they call a buy-sell. And a buy-sell agreement basically says that, okay, you've got two partners. And let's say, again, these two guys are working in this business together. They're both married, but neither one of their spouses has anything to do with the business. This is just on these two guys. But now all of a sudden, one of them tragically passes away. There's equity left over in that. There's equity in that business. How could the surviving partner buy out the, his his partner's spouse and family. Right, right. So it's what we call a buy-sell agreement. In other words, it's, it's and again, we won't go through the fine-tooth details today, but basically it's just, it's an, it's an opportunity where a life insurance policy is implemented on each other so that if something happens, now the life insurance policy is paid out and those funds can be passed on to the surviving spouse of the partner should something like that happen. So that, that plays a key role. Uh, another key role that it can play Let's say, for example, we've got a little bit, maybe a little bit bigger of a business. It's not necessarily a, a partnership, but maybe it's a small business. And you've got the owner, maybe you've got a silent partner somewhere in there, but maybe you have what we call a key man. You've got the guy who, you've got this, he's the straw that stirs the drink, right? He's keeping everything going. He's, <laughs> he's got managers underneath him. He's got supervisors underneath him. That business owner may want to take out a life insurance policy on that gentleman or that lady, whoever the case may be, whoever's running that, that operations, because in all of a sudden, if they're tragically taken away, the life insurance policy can maybe then provide means for that person to maybe whatever they need to do, maybe to, to go out and find another person. In other words, you know what I'm saying? It just kind of keeps the expenses being paid right. should right. they lose the operations of that key man. So, so yes, life insurance can play a very strong role with businesses, just like it can for individuals. All right. We're running up against the clock here, but this is really good. I want to keep going. You mentioned businesses. We mentioned individuals. What about farm families? Farm families is another good one, and we'll, we'll keep this short. Let, let's say there's a, there's a you know, because here in the Midwest, there's farms everywhere, and we know that there's value in farm ground. And let's say the family has mom, dad, and three grown, grown kids. And let's say that one of the kids is going to take over the farm one day, and the other two have no interest in working the farm at all. So mom and dad are maybe like, you know, how do we handle this situation? Could life insurance help? And one of the ways that we can do that is, is, a family farm is that heritage. It's that legacy that they want to pass down from generation to generation. And a life insurance policy can play a huge role in protecting the integrity of that legacy. So one of the things that we could do is, for example, there's what we call a second to die 
second to die life policy. That's where we put a life insurance policy on mom and dad together. That way then, whenever the second of them has passed away, now all the assets are going to pass on to the kids, oh. that death benefit can be passed down to the, to the siblings. Okay. And then how about kids who've grown, moved out, the house is paid off, mom and dad are retired. Do they still need life insurance? You know, that's, that's usually a case-by-case case scenario. A lot of people, when I sit down with them, if, we're gonna, if, if, we are, if our initial meeting is all about maybe a retirement plan or maybe a transition for a 401k into an IRA, life insurance will always come up. If they don't bring it up, I certainly will. And, you know, some people have, they have very strong facts about that. They have very strong opinions about it. And I certainly don't press the issue. The need for life insurance, it depends upon what we want to do with it. One of the questions that I, that I ask my clients when it comes to a retirement account, is I ask the question, is this account right here live on money or is it leave on money? In hmm. other words, do we need this account to live off of it or do we plan on leaving that behind? Mm -hmm. So just, just when I go through that analysis with, with each one of my clients, some people like to have a little bit of money left over That's they know for sure it's going to be there. They know for sure that whenever, whenever they do pass away, those funds get passed on, it's tax-free. So you know the need for life insurance is kind of on a case-by-case -case basis. And I hate to say it, but the cost of dying, it ain't cheap. So some of that money could be used for burial. It, it sure could. It, it absolutely could do that. That way, again, it, just like we said earlier, one of the defining attributes of life insurance is the peace of mind. And a lot of people can utilize that maybe by getting a prepaid funeral policy. Mm -hmm. They can get a burial policy, which is, it, which is like you said, it's just for those expenses only, $10,000, $20,000 that the kids have that money available to bury mom or dad. And there's also other ways of doing that, but barrier policy is exactly what it is. It's, or it's also known as a final expense policy. It's just strictly for the cost of those services when mom or dad pass away. Okay. Now, Tim, if people want a second opinion on their ultimate love letter, how can they get you? They can reach me a, a couple different ways, of course, by email. My email address is tim at thewhistleragency.com. And again, there's no T in Whistler. So it's thewhistleragency.com. Uh, my phone number is 309-291-0491. And of course, they can always go to the website, thewhistleragency.com. You know, this is a very sobering, but a very necessary conversation, Tim. So thanks a lot. Tim Whistler of the Whistler Agency, no T in Whistler. To subscribe to all of Tim's Whistler While You Retire podcasts, use the subscribe button on this page. You can also share with the share button. I'm Patrice Sikora, and let's talk again later. Thank you for listening to Whistler While You Retire. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the Whistler Agency. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. Content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Investment advisory and financial planning services offered through Simplicity Wealth LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance, consulting, and education services offered through the Whistler Agency. The Whistler Agency is a separate and unaffiliated entity from Simplicity Wealth, LLC.
This podcast is designed to provide general information on the subjects covered. Pursuant to IRS Circular 230, it is not intended to provide specific legal or tax advice and cannot be used to avoid penalties or to promote, market, or recommend any tax plan or arrangement. You are encouraged to consult your personal tax advisor or attorney. Any example situation provided is shown for illustrative purposes only and is not guaranteed. Policy loans and withdrawals will reduce available cash values and death benefits and may cause the policy to lapse or affect any guarantees against lapse. Additional premium payments may be required to keep the policy in force. In the event of a lapse, outstanding policy loans in excess of unrecovered cost basis will be subject ordinary income tax. Withdrawals are generally income tax free unless the withdrawal amount exceeds the amount of premium paid. Tax laws are subject to change. Clients should consult their tax professional. Keep in mind that certain fees and expenses will reduce the cash value if the policy is surrendered during the surrender period, surrendered charges may apply. Guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. The interest credited is limited by either placing a cap on the amount of interest that can be earned cap rate and or requiring a specified rate that must be surpassed within the index before interest will be credited spread rate. The interest credited on your contract may be affected by the performance of an external index. However, your contract does not directly participate in the index or any equity or fixed interest investments. You are not buying shares in an index. The index value does not include the dividends paid on equity investments underlying the equity index or the interest paid on any fixed income investments underlying any bond index. These dividends and interest are not reflected in the interest credited to your contract.